0: Yeah, I think that's actually just a louder clip than everything else too, though. So okay, well, I, don't know. We'll I, see. I, I turned
1: goes. I turned you up. So that's good. Anybody else need anything in their mix? We need to start. <laughs> that was not the question that was <laughs> asked.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome back to Human Reaction, your weekly source for independent commentary on news, politics, and culture. Where it is always our mission to arm you with the tools you need to cut through media misdirection and resist the mono narrative. Ah. I'm here with my esteemed co hosts, David Rand and Kyle Mack. David, what are we talking about today?
2: Well, first, most important story of the century happened today. What is Which that? Which is the Human Reaction Podcast has started the Substack, and you got to come on to our Substack and sign up, help us support the podcast uh, so that we can keep, keep the lights on, keep Joe um, obviously this building here uh, with all this great stuff that we're doing uh, building up podcasting and Bozeman, everything else. Yeah. So we want to make sure that uh, we can get uh, someday pay Bennett for all of his hard work, actually doing the real work while the us we just talk like, you know, idiots. And um, yeah. And so for the real stories this week, uh, beyond that one, <laughs> the stories that aren't relevant to the podcast is X, has signaled that we have the death of acronyms in america acronyms are going out goodbye cia fbi and dei and nhs and what else <laughs> all the acronyms are dying
0: every three letters every three letters and whatever combination <laughs> exists between those three letters they're gone they're gone we're can't, getting rid of them can't use them.
2: abolishing them all especially when vivek is the new president masks are returning to blue america that's also a big news story this week Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ben's yeah, hometown fled that so <laughs> is uh, masking up, and then uh, lastly, we have stories of the migrant crisis and busing controversy reaches new levels as record levels of migrants came in in December and already in January.
0: Yes, and while you're here, like, comment, subscribe, do all the YouTube, the Rumble, the Spotify things wherever you're listening to us, and also we we're gonna be covering a bunch of stories here, so uh, just. Jump to the chapter marks of whatever you're you're the most interested in, and uh, we are continuously climbing. a lot of A lot of our more recent episodes have been doing very well, so we're we're very happy to see that. So Absolutely, just subscribe to us. We and, want to keep bringing you content,
1: and thank you for watching. We do appreciate it. So, the death of DEI. What does this mean? What's going on?
0: So, I, I think the the biggest thing in the news, and I think something that represents this is the whole Harvard president uh, plagiarism scandal here. You have a lot of news outlets like the Associated Press saying that this reg- this, this resignation highlights uh, this conservative weapon that is being used to hit people like the Harvard president with allegations of plagiarism. Now, the fun thing about Elon Musk's new acts is this little feature called Community Notes, where... The community can weigh in on the subject and try to fact check these articles in real time where you have saying, well, it's not just a conservative weapon like she actually just breached and violated with plagiarism. Right. And A.I. discovered this. Um, Claudine Gay was ultimately forced to resign for a series of breaches of their policy. So they're trying to lace it with all the fancy magical words about like racism and discrimination and all these things, right? But I think what this really signals right now is these acronyms, DEI, ESGs, whatever we want to call all of these systems, these like frameworks for social credit that we have right now, they're all falling apart. Everybody's kind of like, coming over them. It's it's stopped being this thing that people care about anymore and everybody kind of sees through the BS that is now laden within them. So, what do you guys feel about this all?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's it's an application of large language models to look through all of her academic history and then discover all the plagiarism. Very interesting phenomenon. We kind of talked about it in the last episode before this one um about the what it meant large language models in 2023. Uh, this lady came out, became kind of in the public eye because of freedom of speech and um, uh, on public campuses versus like you know keeping like student Jewish with, students yeah. safe and things like that because the Republicans are very much concerned about uh, the safety of Jewish students on campus with the rise of what they feel like is anti-Semitism on campus and you know obviously she became there is a political motive here right? A lot of this focus on her came about because of a political situation that Congress set up. But on the other hand, the application of the plagiarism rules here are not done because as she's framed it. And if you look at like Morning Rising, there's a, it's a pretty good YouTube show. It does a lot of new, good news coverage. Um, Robiswav and a, I forget her last name, Bree. I can't remember her last name right now. She does the best job that I've seen trying to defend this woman. And it's like this idea that, well, this is only good if it's generally applied, right? If we do all the academics, if we bend large language models against every academic, then it's like as showing that this is a tool for, you know, holding the powerful and elite accountable. Well, yeah, let's do it. But right now it's only being used on a brand someone's the right doesn't like. So that's kind of what the Associated Press is going for here is like this person, the right doesn't like them right now. And they're, they're being prosecuted because of this. When, you know, honestly, she just didn't get caught saying something the right doesn't like. She got caught plagiarizing. Right. Yeah. Well, and I
1: think it doesn't it call into question the validity of, you know, a lot of the uh, credentials that these these higher level academics are are using to establish their their intellectual authority.
2: And 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 so what they're saying is their argument is like, why are you using it on a black woman when you can use it against anybody? It's like, well, that doesn't mean it can't be used against anybody, but she happens which, to be in the news. Which
0: for a decade has been like a very effective tool for just kind of like softening these types of blows. Right. But now everybody's just like, we're over it, man. Yeah. We're, we're, we're so done. Like yeah. this DEI stuff is just not working. Like, Look, like, it doesn't
1: matter what color her skin is. It, she, she plagiarized a bunch of stuff and it wasn't yeah. even just like they're pulling some little thing out of context. Wasn't it like, like vast swaths of
2: her thesis. in in 50 different accusations of plagiarism. Wow. Not just one, not three, <laughs> 50. So it's, it's, it's completely, I mean, it, the case is so systematic and so huge. Now, the question is, is, you know, how did she get to this place without anyone catching it? What are the failures of the traditional system that this represents? That's an interesting dialogue we haven't had yet. Part of the underlying question is, was she a diversity hire? That's right. what's kind of lingering in the background that they're kind of trying to tease at, that she's trying to say like, oh, well, you always believe I was just a diversity hire. Well, well, you weren't a good academic because you plagiarized. Like, that's the definition of a bad academic, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. if there is one. So that's the question.
0: Well, and uh, I think that X, just where all the best conversations are being had, um, Mark Cuban weighed in on the DEI ideas right now. And actually, before we kind of, dig into this i I made i I whipped up just like a quick little meme template that i think represents how this conversation has existed for a decade and it shows like where mark cuban is versus where broader public is starting to become um it's the it's the classic old mid-curve meme here where you have um if you're you're just listening on audio i'll kind of explain it but it's, it's the concept of like the bell curve where you have like most people are existing inside the middle and the people that are the low iq and the high iq they have the exact same opinion that d DEI is just another word for racism. And then you have the, the guy in the middle that is like, and I'm using Mark Cuban symbolically here, <laughs> where he then decides to go into a long diatribe explaining like, just explaining things and just completely missing like the forest for the trees where he's just like, well, the reason why you want diversity in your corporate hires is X. The reason why you want, you know, like, and he just goes through all the stuff without understanding how this is being used as a tool for a weapon. And then you have a bunch of other kind of corporate people like uh, Elon Musk or Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman is one of the most surprising people on this in recent months, I would say, because he's kind of like this lefty activist uh, guy, a billionaire type. But uh, you have them just being like, bro, we used, to, we used to believe that too. We used to believe you too, Mark. But but we're seeing through it. Now. We looked we, we looked into it a little bit. Yeah. Like we just did a little bit of digging and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is being used as a weapon. Mm-hmm. All right. Um,
1: well, and so Mark Cuban is invoked here because uh, in response to something that Elon Musk tweeted, and you want to go through this, Kyle?
0: Yeah. So Elon tweeted out that discrimination on the base. Oh, actually, it might be best to go back mm-hmm. to, um, to, he was responding to Ed Krasenstein, which is this kind of like, Left wing, him and his brother are these left wing Twitter journalists, and they've gotten a lot of attention over recent years. Like, they're kind of on all the major Twitter spaces, all this X spaces, um, where he is kind of saying, like, I don't think DEI is racism, but it definitely can have some major flaws that should be addressed. I believe we should focus more on addressing socioeconomic differences rather than racial differences, addressing socioeconomic differences and trying to level the playing field. And it goes on, but you kind of, I think you can kind of understand where he's going with this. And then Elon Musk tweets, Discrimination on the basis of race, which DEI does, is literally the definition of racism. And that, that's what sparked Mark Cuban to go into this large 22 million views, right? This it's, large explaining, uh, let me help you out and give you my thoughts on DEI, where he goes Help you to, out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, let, me out. <laughs> oh, no. let me help you out. <laughs> let he me help you out. Where he goes into like a whole thing like, one, why we need diversity, you know? Mm-hmm. Two, why we need equity, you know? And, and he Three, goes to what's his, what's his case for equity? Uh, His case for equity is treating people equally does not mean treating them the same. I made the mistake for a lot of years thinking it did. Equity is a core principle of business, but your employees in a position to put your employees in a position to succeed, recognize their differences and play to their strengths where. um, Sorry, I just expanded it and I lost it. Strengths wherever possible. It is not a hard concept, but it is not easy to implement. Most workforces don't have the depth of management to do this well. When it's not done well, it can create tension and resentment. See, like, like that is a that's a reasonable thing to say, right? But Other like than you're, that, you're, but you're missing you're missing the forest for the trees. Like, you're not understand, like, yes. Oh, like, should you kind of have like, like, should you try to, should you try to like treat everybody in your company the same? Like, yeah, like, like, should you do that? It's like, yeah, it's probably a, a valuable principle to Other have. Other than that's not like- that
2: what equity is. That's the that thing that ticks me off here is he's using equality to describe equity. Yeah, he's totally confusing those two <sighs> yeah, words. Yeah. All, and all, all jargon words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, that's, that's, that's the thing that bothers me is yes. that he can't even defend it on its terms. He has to bring in and redefine it to make it palatable because no one likes equity when you define it. If you define equity as making sure that everyone has the same result as opposed to equality, which is making sure everyone's treated the same. Right. Right. These are very simple terms, very simple jargon, That when we brought in equity, there's a bunch of people trying to blur the lines here. Mm -hmm. And what he means here is a very specific interpretation to benefit himself, to make it framed so that he can keep his lefty feelings together as opposed to being honest. So one of the things I don't like and one of the things I love how Elon calls him out about this is because he's obviously being manipulative. He's obviously trying to say this isn't what it looks like. It's actually great. But he has, in order to do that, he has to redefine it in a way that it isn't defined on its own terms. Because if you actually look at DEI, it doesn't define equity as equality. It defines equity as equity. Equity as in outcome is the same.
0: Yes, just, yes. just Mark is tweeting right now as we're, uh, as we're <coughs> going into it. But he's responding to a recent uh, tweet that Elon made, which is... Um, Cool. So when should we expect to see short white Asian women on the, uh, on the Mavericks? <laughs> <laughs> Which for those
2: who don't know, Mark Cuban is an is owner is of owner the Mavericks. Mavericks. So it, it like, why do only some people play for the best teams, right? And like, should you run your business in the interest of social justice? Now, the initial tweet that prompted this is specifically defending equity as creating a net result that's good for social justice. That's the initial tweet. So Mark Twiggins going like, oh no, initial tweet guy who's talking about this. It actually means equality and then he's being called out on what we actually mean by equity. Because equality means we have a standard, are you good at basketball? And we treat everyone the same. And if you're, good at, if you're a short Asian guy and you're good at basketball, you can make it onto the Mavs. Equity says you will hire the short Asian guy in order to create social justice. Right. Equal outcome. Right. And it doesn't become more clear than that, right? No, no specifically the short Asian girl.
0: Shortage from woman, yeah, exactly. Into the men's basketball league, yeah. right? Well, and
1: it's it's classic hypocrisy because obviously it's a mismatch of, uh, you know, what he preaches and what he practices, right? Of course, he would he would never do that ever in a million years because that would be terrible for his team. It might be like a novelty for uh,
2: one game to watch the Mavs get destroyed
1: (laughs) this this might
0: be an esg play like you got to bump your social credit
2: (laughs) but as thomas souls point out it actually isn't good for the people who are participants in it for example dei equity as applied to college admissions underserves the students who get wrapped up into those situations, yeah. When you're a student who is unqualified to go to Harvard, and you would do probably do better in your academic field of picking up skills and learning key things at a state institution or another institution that maybe isn't Harvard. When you go to Harvard, you have a higher chance of dropping out than yeah. if you didn't. Yeah. And so that it actually uses those people as tokens, as tools. It turns them into a type, an archetype, a a symbol for the virtue of equity rather than what they actually are, which are human beings mm-hmm. who have ends and goals and means of trying to accomplish And you, and you boil them, you boil their humanity out of them and turn them into a symbol for your virtue. Yeah. So that's, that's the, it wouldn't be good for the Asian woman who goes into the the basketball league to the Mavs is the point. Correct. right? Because at that point you're a token. Yep. The way Thomas Sowell puts it in that context of,
1: of students at Harvard is it, there's someone to feel sorry for. Right. Right. Well, remember we
0: had the whole Supreme court situation with, uh, the Asian stuff with admissions. uh, Yeah. And that was Harvard too, specifically. Wasn't Mm -hmm. that targeted at Harvard? Right. Because they have too many Asians. So like that, that was like the diversity thing. So like Asians were getting, uh, they were kind of getting, uh, like, what what would you call it? They're kind of getting, uh, shafted (laughs) in a sense for, uh, because they were doing too well. So they had to bring that number down and bring other minority groups up in order to fill it. As I
1: recall, it was that, um, yeah, Asian students uh, got on average higher test scores Mm -hmm. than white or um, or minority students, other minority students, to get into Harvard. So they were actually, you know, they were being um, leveraged against. Basically, they they had a higher standard to get into Harvard than everyone else did, which is very.
0: Yeah, wrong. Which, obviously. W- yeah, which is which is the, like these are the unintended consequences of all of these types of policies that exist here. Where like they're trying to go for some sort of high value that they want to achieve, which is diversity and egalitarianism. Like everything's nested in that framework, and then what you end up having is like, and they're trying to do it in the name of fairness, right? And things become very unfair because they no longer become meritocratic. It's just like we have to fill a number. You're just like a, a check mark that we have to hit, mm-hmm.
2: right? you're not a person, you're a statistic, you're a, you're a, you're a type. And so in order to create social justice, we have to boil the humanity out of you and make it, make sure we have equal outcome. Now they tried to do this game on, uh, uh, and we actually had this explanation, which I really like too, uh, which is, you know, the, obviously the midwit to the person who, you know, is actually dealing with the facts of DEI.
0: Well, and and, yeah, so Bill Ackman, he said, Mark, uh, that's exactly what I thought until I did the work. I encourage you to do the same and revert. DEI is not about diversity, equity, or inclusion. Trust me, I felt the same. I I fell into the same trap you did, Bill. Um, And Bill Ackman, he's like this, he's American hedge fund billionaire who's been funding like left-wing stuff for a very long time. Like he's kind of considered like this activist hedge fund manager. And um, he It's been interesting to watch because I'm noticing just a lot of these types over the last year are starting to move in this direction where like for years... For like a decade they've all been on board doing the same mark cuban kind of midwittery right um as was kind of showcased by my uh, excellent meme right (laughs) but now you're we're watching all these people and i and simply i think the bill ackman thing is just like follow the money it's not working anymore like this doesn't actually help my investments (laughs) in any like they want to they want to do the good thing they want to be the kind compassionate people but they're realizing the kind compassion that they're trying to portray doesn't actually make the businesses better in any meaningful way. And he is a hedge fund manager that wants to have returns on his investments, right? Well,
1: and like David made, made the point, not nor does it make the people better, right? Like if, if you go to Harvard, but you drop out or you could go to a state school and excel, well, you would obviously prefer to do that one, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, huge mismatch here. And they tried to drag Vivek into this too, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I
0: I think that this is kind of like a side, like it's a thing that's existing on the periphery of this, Mm -hmm. but like it, it all falls under the same umbrella of what we're talking
2: about. Well, they use, they use white nationalism as like the, Mm -hmm. the thing that beats you over the head Mm -hmm. as the boogeyman so that you will embrace DEI or embrace the kind of outlook. It's the lefty, you know, thing under the bed to keep you like, oh man, we
0: really need to solve this problem so that we can have a racially just future. Well, and remind me of the beginning of this before we get into it because I don't have like the beginning of this here queued up. Like, it, it, this was all because of someone in Iowa that endorsed, uh, is Steve like a, King. Yeah, the, yeah, who endorsed Vivek. Mm-hmm. And now this reporter, this journalist here is like, you need to condemn white supremacy, like is doing that whole thing, that whole shtick, right? Right.
2: And Steve King did say racially insensitive things, uh, but I don't think there were things, and and uh, it's been some time, so I, I, I might be talking out of turn, but I don't remember Steve King's comments being as such that he was like endorsing white nationalism, right? I remember it being racially insensitive and kind of a... Uh, cliche boomer sort of thing to say, but not a, you know, he wasn't, he's not, he's not um, that guy in Whitefish. What was that cat's name? Richard Spencer. With yeah. the comb over. Yeah, Richard Spencer. He's not Isn't he's Richard Spencer and he's defending Richard Spencer. He's defending a U.S. representative that endorsed him. Mm-hmm. And he's saying like, look, he endorsed me. That doesn't mean obviously, obviously, and if I could defend Vivek for a second, someone endorsing you doesn't mean you endorse them. Duh. Like he takes an incredible amount of midwittery To be like, well, do you accept their endorsement? Well, it's like...
0: What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> can I just like deny and endorse? Well, but remember, this is the same stuff that happened with Trump. Like, remember, uh, there's all these people that endorsed him. And then the media would be like, do you denounce? Do you denounce? He's like, yeah, I denounce white supremacy. And then he moves on with it. And and then they'd be like, he refused to denounce white supremacy. And you can see, like, there's been compilations because of this showing the Trump situation where it'd be like three minute clip, like a three minute clip of a compilation of like every five seconds, just Trump being like, yes, I denounce white supremacy. Yes, I denounce white supremacy and just going on and on with different situations and then reporters continually being like he refuses to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like,
2: yeah. So this is the after tweet of the conversation. but well, it's good to start at the end here. I think it's actually a clever way to tell the story because this is what she tweeted about the conversation. I uh, asked Vivek if he condemned white supremacy. Vivek said to quote, stop picking on this farce of some figment that exists at some in- infinitesimal. infinitesimally small fringe End quote. He said he condemns, quote, vicious racial discrimination, end quote, but would not, quote, bend the knee, end quote, and condemn white supremacy. That's her framing of how this conversation went. Now we can actually watch the well, conversation.
0: And, and again, commu- oh, community, community notes, community comes notes comes is on <laughs> it. And they even show the video of uh, they show the videos here. But uh, here is uh, an example of him condemning white supremacy or whatever. Or refusing to. Or, yeah. Refuse. Like,
3: yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to recite some catechism for you. I'm against vicious racial discrimination in this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which absolutely fits, fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine, and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious racial discrimination? Yes, I do. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. And frankly, this is why people have lost trust. And I know you're going to go print the headline tomorrow. I already know this. We already know how your game works. Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy because you asked a stupid question. The reality is I condemn vicious racial discrimination in this country, but the kind of vicious and systematic racial discrimination we see today is discrimination on the basis of race in a very different direction. You want to know what the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race? Stop discriminating on the basis of race. Do that and we're going to move this country forward. And I don't care whether you're black or white or brown or anything in between. That's how we're going to unite this country. You people have been responsible for dividing this country to a breaking point, creating a projection of national division. I meet people from the south side of Chicago to meetings like this one of every shade of melanin, multiple from man to woman, doesn't make a difference, who are hungry for reviving unity in this country. And you with your catechism that you try to get as politicians to whatever fake headline you're going to print on the basis of this conversation tomorrow, that's what's dividing this country for a break to a breaking point. Shame on you. Look people in the eye and tell them what you've actually failed to tell them for the last five years. Own the accountability for your own failures as the media. That's how we rebuild trust in this country. And until then, I don't have a lot of patience to play the games.
2: Damn.
0: Fire. God, I love that man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am going to get you some
0: merch. Oh, yeah. We, L-
4: like we
0: need a vague <laughs> 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 prompt on your uh, soundboard. There's got to be something that we could grab. From I'm him. not going to bend my knee to your,
2: your religion. Yeah, uh, That was so good. I mean, like, especially because what he's talking about is, obviously, that wasn't the full conversation, but there was a debate before this that she's mentioning where it's very specifically about what do we mean by white supremacy? Like, what are we talking about? She is like this impression that there's all these white supremacists out there hiding someplace trying to start about like a white nationalist revolution. It's like um, a red scare, right? It's a white nationalist scare that's kind of always pervasive and always under the bed, like there to leap out and to freak out liberals. It's not a thing. Right. It's not a pervasive, large-scale thing. In fact, you have a trillion dollars of DII funding actually changing the landscape of America. Trillions of dollars of funding. You have programs that have systematically discriminated against Asians at Harvard. Real programs that said, we're going to, whatever it is of people who meritocratically would get here, we're going to reduce that because they're Asian. That's the point that he's pointing to. He's saying, that is real racial discrimination. We should go for inequality of opportunity, we say the rules apply the same to everybody and we're not going to we're not going to racially discriminate in any way to sort social justice. That itself is an excellent defense of the conservative case that they've been making for decades, but Vivek is able to make it on a new level with a better articulation. So I really appreciate it. It's awesome. Well, and the beautiful thing about this too, the sweet irony is that that headline was in fact printed the next day, was it not? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the tweet that she just sent out afterwards. Yeah. Which which obviously this is why you know, X is such a huge part of it is the community notes check. And then additionally, it kind of exposes how the game works because you have the video function. I love it. If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth,
1: you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success, from grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management. Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to zestybev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at zestybev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com.
2: All right. So... Is that it for DEI? Yeah, did I think we get let's, to let's exercise that we, uh, demon. Uh, yeah. All right. I don't have a lot more time, guys. So masks return to some localities across America. Do you want to jump up that CBS? Um, yes. Let me pull video, it. my friend. So this comes right on the heels of us
1: uh, <laughs> saying, I think we, we mentioned on the uh, year end review show that this claim that we had talked about around the fall, mm-hmm. you know, what people were calling for, the return of COVID hadn't really come true. Well, and then now we're see, actually starting to see some signs of it maybe creeping back in.
2: Yes and no. So let's dig into it. You can see the video and we can do that.
4: Here new concerns about a spike in COVID cases. Our volume has really surged. And I attribute that to not just COVID, but influenza, RSV. I'm not seeing as many people fully immunized as in past years, for flu, for COVID boosters. And so it makes them much more vulnerable. The rise in (coughs) infections has prompted at least five states to reinstate masking requirements at healthcare facilities as a new variant spreads across the country. Cases are up at least 25% in Los Angeles County, where emergency room physician Dr. Angelique Campen says she's happy to see the mask mandate return. It really helps to protect the vulnerable people that are sitting out there in the waiting room right now. The CDC says the new COVID vaccine is the best tool to stay protected against serious illness, but vaccination rates are at an all-time low. Less than 20% of adults have received the updated vaccine. And tonight, there's also a growing number of flu and RSV cases, With 31 states seeing high or very high levels of respiratory infections, leading to worries that a triple virus threat could strain hospitals. Are you concerned that these numbers will continue to get worse? We're not at the peak yet this winter. I'm still seeing numbers increase. Right now, it seems like every other patient I'm seeing in the emergency department is one of these viruses. Here in California, the first child flu death was recently announced. Doctors say it's not too late to get vaccinated for both the flu and COVID to help protect your family.
2: This reporting brought to you by Pfizer. Um, So the interesting, right? So this isn't a California wide or Illinois or Massachusetts. Sorry, Bennett. um, Wide uh, mass bandit. This is localities for the most part, mostly counties saying in hospitals, you have to wear a mask. Now, let me ask you something. Why can't hospitals require a mask at hospitals? Why does it have to be the county that does that? Because we've politicized hospitals, right? We've undermined their ability. We've required them to admit everybody. So they can't do that without that question. They have to have the government there because we've said they have to admit everybody. So that means they have to admit people who refuse to wear a mask unless you put in a mask mandate. It's a contradiction in the law because we've diverted away from property rights. If we had a simple property regime where these hospitals were not quasi government institutions, but rather private institutions that could design their own policies, then they could put together their mass mandate. In fact, it makes no sense why we didn't have mass mandates in hospitals all the time if they're effective and the science backs that up and the hospitals think they should. But we've made it all political, we've made it not a question of what is best for patients. We've made it into a giant political game because we've diverted away from the basis of freedom. Well, yeah, expand, which is expanding
0: rights. on that idea. Cause like that would be a clear price signal for uh, what makes a hospital good is like certain elements of like our diseases transmitting between like different patients and stuff like that. Like those would be clear indicators that if you were like a, a, completely private institution, you'd be using that as like your advertising thing. It's like, you know, you're, you're safe with us. Not like that other hospital. Right. Like, right. Um, but now everything's just entirely politicized, which expands beyond just the medical stuff. Like it expands into every aspect of life really. Cause everything's become so politicized everywhere. And
2: that's, that's really the vision for the future, right? The vision for the future is one where we can actually debate the science of things rather than have to go into a religion Of masks being good. Watch the performativeness here, where they're in the hospital talking to a woman about epidemiology when she's not an epidemiologist, she's a doctor. Right? They're talking about macrophones. It's a halo effect. This is a psychological effect where you talk to someone who's an expert and you just, you put a halo around them psychologically, and then you say they're an expert about everything.
0: It's the whole trust the science thing, right?
2: Right. And this in this and then and then you have her do the performative act where it's in the hospital rather than someplace that would be safe to conduct an interview. It's in the hospital hallway. Number two, she's wearing a mask during the thing to as performative as like, Well, look, it's not weird to wear a mask. We saw this during COVID. We're trying to unlace the symbolism.
0: Symbology, <laughs> <laughs> Symbology. <Sorry. laughs>
2: of the situation. I was just waiting for you. Yeah, my you are our soundboard they when Joe's not on it. Um, that, I don't have that clip. So that's going. <laughs> that's going. I sent on. it to you. We're trying to kind of tear apart this. That this is propaganda, not in the sense that you're thinking. Like it is trying to inform. I'm sure the people who are involved is trying to inform, but the way they layer this is specifically trying to create the result of make sure to mask up. Why isn't your locality imposing masks in their hospital? What is your, um, uh, have you gotten the flu? One kid died of the flu. All years, one kid dies of the flu, at least. Did that kid have comorbidities? We don't know anything about it. We don't know anything important to actually make it a designation where that's valuable for you, but we're going to make sure to end with that promotion that's a religious one in nature that says that vaccines are good because we're going to signal that our tribe likes vaccines. That's the point of what we just watched. So I just, I'm, I thought it was like a, a the, great case study. The, the religious moment.
0: parallels are very clear. And you see that just in everywhere, every form of government. It's not just this area. Like, it's like the people wearing the fancy suits inside of the fancy buildings. They're the ones showcasing to you. Like, we saw that with the mask stuff. It'll be Biden will have the mask giving a speech. And then as soon as the speech is done, he walks off and takes off the mask, right? Like, like it's all about, like, how are you portraying it on camera where everyone is seeing? It does not matter what happens post that, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Similar to that, we have kind of the hidden phenomena of the border crisis, right? Uh CBS News has this report that I thought we would it'd be fun to react to as well, Kyle. Yes. Um let me hold this that. is about uh migrants uh being flown from Texas to other uh cities and counties around America. Bust or flown. Um
0: We're, we're actually just a CBS re- uh, reaction channel now. Well, <laughs> I, I just thought they
2: did the, well, the most funny ABC AB, oh, this is ABC. Sorry. Yeah, you, you accused Amy
0: Robach of being a uh, uh, CBS2. CBS I don't know why. I'm, Just, what is I'm on an anti-CBS you're, you're, trade. You're, uh, your acronyms are all <laughs> off. <laughs> it's the death of acronyms.
4: To the breaking point, overnight, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered planes to drop off 350 migrants at an airport near Chicago. The move is escalating tensions between Abbott and the mayors of several major cities. Here's ABC's Zareen Shaw.
5: Tonight, amid the record number of migrant crossings along the southern border, three U.S. mayors sounding the alarm saying their cities are at a breaking point. Just today, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordering a Boeing 77 plane carrying 350 asylum seekers to arrive in Rockford, Illinois. The passengers immediately bust to Chicago. Abbott, who for months has been bussing migrants to so-called sanctuary cities, starting the fights after Chicago officials began impounding the buses used to transport them. Similar scenes in Denver and New York City, where more unannounced buses arrived. Since August of last year, Abbott has sent nearly 30,000 migrants to New York City alone, prompting the three mayors to require bus companies to give advance notice and additional restrictions for dropping passengers off with stiff penalties, saying the current system is harmful.
3: It puts those who have already suffered so much in danger. To be clear, this is not stopping people from coming, but about ensuring the safety of migrants and making sure they can arrive in a coordinated and orderly way.
5: Those mayors demanding federal support to help manage the increasing numbers of migrants.
3: We cannot continue to do the federal government's job.
5: Biden dispatching Secretary Blinken to Mexico to meet with Mexico's president this past week, encouraging them to step up immigrants' enforcement, reopen key ports of entry, and encourage migrants to stay in Mexico. But Mexico's president pushing for more aid. And Congress is stalling on a vote on border policy changes. The bill is tied to a package that includes funding for Ukraine and Israel. Meanwhile, nearly a quarter of a million migrants crossed the U.S. border in just December. Lindsay.
2: and that is false at the end there it's the other way around congress is holding up ukraine funding in order to try to get the biden administration to do something about the border she reversed it and that ticks me off watching that it's so frustrating because you would get the impression that they're just being jerks right refusing to do something about the border because there's ukraine funding in it it's the opposite of that yeah oh.
0: they're using the ukraine funding as okay. leverage
2: to try to get the Biden administration to do something other than end of mind Texas trying to enforce its own. Border. Well, right. So the, the
1: weird contradiction I saw there was that uh, Biden, the Biden administration dispatches uh, secretary of state Anthony Blinken to Mexico to talk about things we can do and put pressure on Mexico to to ramp up enforcement. Yeah. Meanwhile, Texas is trying to enforce its border. But the federal government is like suing them and, and interrupting their ability to enforce yes. their own borders. Is that right?
2: Yes. And, and additionally, removing border, actual border protections. And it's, it's something we reported on before. We actually got the video of the, of the machine taking down the fence. Yeah. Right. And this was a federal government agency taking down the fence to pre- prevent this happening in the effort to. I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't give you a reason that's not the great replacement theory. Right. That's not, and I don't mean that from a racial point of view, we've talked about this before, but what I mean is the strategic point of view, the idea that you boil out votes by bringing in more people who might vote Democrat. If you position yourself as their ally. Yeah. Right. Which is something that Biden himself has been quoted saying, Van Jose himself has been quoted saying other people on the left have celebrated this idea and said that this is our strategy for how we maintain power. So I'm just using their own words Mm -hmm. here that this is one thing that they want. Why does the Biden administration
0: refuse to enforce the border? Why? Well, there's, there's an added thing too. Cause uh, a, a story that we weren't able to cover over the holidays. Cause we were gone for the holidays. It yeah. all happened kind of like right after we took our break was the story that Ashley St. Claire broke on Twitter on X about these undocky uh, undocumented in- immigrants uh, being given passage on planes and all these uh, big airline pilots coming forward kind of anonymously saying that this was happening. Um, and it's just it's it's like who's doing this like what what is hap- like what are the details here what's going on like there seems to be a bigger play that it does exist. and it's like is it just simply great replacement theory stuff Well, you know like like what is going is on is it a
2: political here? motive is it um if the, if the biden administration came out and said hey we we don't have facilities in texas to be able to manage this and we need to spread out the impact for for, for economic reasons for taxpayer security reasons sure other than the fact that you know, how many people actually show up for their asylum hearing? A lot do. Most do, in fact, according to the data, but not all do. And so if you spread that out, what is the impact of that? What if we actually enforce the border? What if we had the federal government not stop Texas from enforcing the border? Well, right. I mean, like those are like obvious steps there, but the Biden administration is such a bad faith actor here where they're obviously talking out both sides of their mouth. And then additionally, that uninterested, obviously, by their own policies of enforcing it.
0: So after the Ashley St. Clair story broke, um, James O'Keefe, so her and James O'Keefe, and I think Elon was a part of this, had a X spaces where they were kind of going on and they brought like anonymous uh, pilots on and there's a feature on x spaces now where you can use voice changers so they actually had like voice changers with the pilots so kind of cool what huh. elon's doing for citizen journalism essentially so you can have legit anonymous people come on with like burner accounts and, huh. and report um but uh, <coughs> james was saying that he went and investigated in phoenix uh what was going on and he had like uh like the uh the like the front people at the gate, where, agent. where, the gate agents that's what i'm looking for the gate agents were like coming was, like you're james o'keefe you have to do something about this. Like, and and they would just like spill the beans on everything that they've seen about yeah. these, uh, about people coming in with no IDs. And which is like, you think about TSA and it's like, you need IDs. Yeah. to Go on planes. That's like well, the whole TSA. Yeah, totally. Unless, right? unless
2: you don't that person. Yeah.
1: It, it went both ways actually. So, so for James O'Keefe, exactly. He had people pulling him aside who knew who he was. We we're like, we can't be seen talking to you, but this is so important. We're like, we need, we need somebody to say something about this because this is happening we have people coming on who are literally using arrest warrants from the border as their identification going through without without any you know tsa you know approval boarding pass whatever just just getting put on these planes to wherever uh and and there's a huge risk here and they they highlighted this of of human trafficking these people are being sponsored by someone to fly to some destination but it's very opaque as to who that is and what their motives are Mm -hmm. and what that person and some of these people are kids, what they're going to be uh, doing or who they're going to be with on the other side of this trip. And then on the flip side of that, I believe it was Ashley St. Clair who said that when she raised the question... To a gate agent like are oh. these migrant individuals because she saw them all carrying the bags that they're given at the border yeah they you know, like not put their belongings big, in white trash bags yeah right she saw the bags and was like wait she asked the gate agent are these migrants and the gate agent was very very hostile and uh in this particular situation i believe it was her that was saying this uh he and, a, and another individual like followed her around the airport like keeping tabs on her or something like that as if they were in on it or supportive of it or whatever but did not like the fact that she was asking any questions about it at all so
2: very very suspicious could could you imagine if you are in denver and you're just a tax paying individual in denver and you're being shipped people who are probably going to go on to your public welfare systems who aren't from this country and Mm -hmm. just came here and are now just going to be given that position without any saying whatsoever now i'm I'm pro-immigration but i'm very much understanding of the of the person who's saying like this isn't an immigration process where this person's coming here and is able to work because they're not legal so what position are they in? Am I just on the hook to now pay for their living? Mm -hmm. And how unfair that is fundamentally to the system. Now, the ideal of the system is one where someone can say, I have have this qualifications. I'm going to work here. I'm going to live in this place. I have all these relationships worked out. Let me in. And we say, do you have a disease? Are you a criminal? No. Here you go. That's the ideal. But we're not anywhere. We're light years from that. We're in this crazy place where you can just show up and say, I'm, I'm in this situation. I, I seek asylum and get in through this quasi illegal legal way. And it's, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And the, the unintended side effects for people in these situations having to pay for all this to happen is a real injustice that just isn't seen. Yeah, uh, especially even in that reporting is just really undervalued. Yeah, there's a forgotten man element here um, that is uh, unfair to those folks. Well, we need to do something about the border, and the Biden administration refuses to do so. That's why we need a new president and a new Congress. Agreed. Thank you.
0: Agreed. Thank you. Welcome, my tech talk. <laughs> You're welcome, folks. All right, so
2: we're doing two this week. We did the big one, Epstein. We have this one that's kind of like everything else that happened this week. And you know, we're trying out this format. Let us know what you think. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. You need to get going. You've got a jujitsu tournament to get to, right? Yes, sir.
2: And tell us about it. I'm going to be cornering a bunch of my buddies who I train with all the time. I'm not competing this time cause my shoulder and I'm not quite all the way into shape yet, but yeah. So I'll awesome. just be going down, driving them down to go kick some butt. Awesome. Well, good luck. Thank you. All
1: right. Thanks you guys so much for watching for David Rand, Kyle Mack, Bennett. I'm Joe Sheehan. Appreciate you. See you in the next one. Later. Thanks for tuning in to human reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash humanreactionpod. And remember, go team dick twist. What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, you know.
1: That was uncalled for.